The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. Are you sick and tired of dealing with the so-called new normal when we know there's nothing normal about it? How about dealing with the old normal for a change? Westside Auto Supply and Slow still offers the same old school service they've been known for since 1946. They still offer the best quality auto parts, expert service, and the advice you deserve. Walking into Westside is like going back in time when the customer was king. With the latest technology and always competitive prices, Westside Auto Supply. Buy the best from the best. Whether you're driving one of these. One of these. One of these. Or someday, even one of these. Whatever you're driving, Motor Mouths has answers for all of your automotive questions. And now your host, Jason from Absolute Auto Tech. Good morning, everyone. I am not with you this morning. I am out in the desert again to go ride and play with the side-by-side. I hear it's a little rainy there, and I, I, I am, I'm along with all everybody else. I am ready for a change in the weather. Alas, I'm going to say not too many months ago we were begging and and wanting and longing for this kind of weather. So I'm not willing to say be gone because I'm afraid our wish may come true. <laughs> so I say. This is my thing. Enjoy what we have. Enjoy the rain. I mean, I know we're done. Don't get me wrong. But let's find new ways to enjoy it, whether it be watching the droplets with a cup of coffee or out walking around playing in it or, I don't know, call in if you'd like and tell me your way of enjoying and share with the rest of our listening audience how you enjoy the rain because... It's here, and we don't have any choice, so we might as well enjoy what we've got, because pretty soon it's not going to be here, and we're going to be want ready ready for it. So just, just think about that. But anyway, we have a show to go. And so if you have the time, the place, the pace, the parts, the inclination, I'm here to help. I want to help you with your car questions, your car issues. Give us a call. So you can call us, 805-543-8830, and we can talk about your car concerns, your car questions. Um, we uh, That's what we do here. We talk about car concerns, right? I mean, and I want to make sure that we are addressing those because we all have our own unique and different car concerns, and yours is no more or less important than the next person. So, like I said before, the only dumb question is a question that wasn't asked. Jason, give I, us a call. Uh, I'm sorry. I did want to mention uh, what we used to talk about on the show, Whoa-ho, wipers on, headlights on. Because <laughs> a lot of people yep. driving in this morning, gray-colored cars, gray-colored skies, gray-colored roads, and I could barely see their car because their windshield wipers were on, I think, but their headlights were not on. So that is a law, and it's also... 
pretty apparent that you know you need to do that because it's really hard to see, especially dark colored cars and even white cars in this kind of weather. It, yeah, it's it's really good, you know. And you kind of think about if you're a person that has that car and you're not, and you don't have your headlights on, you are basically like someone walking around in all black at night and around cars. You can't see that person, so. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how well you can see out of your car. It's how well others can see your car. Right. I had some Otherwise, issues with that. Otherwise, you're avoiding everyone on the road, and that sucks. Yeah. I had some issues with that this morning. There was at least two or three cars that I could barely see because they were uh, blending into the blending into the sky, the road, the water, all that stuff because of the fact that they didn't have their headlights on. Right. Right. So that's something to really think about when you're running around enjoying this time or when you have to be out and about enjoying, uh, you know, it, it, during this time. Um, and, and, you know, it's not only that time. It's not only those times. Um, in the mornings, uh, in the evenings when the sun's going down and the sun's in your face, you can't see the oncoming cars very well, even though they can see beautifully because the sun's behind them, you know, shining on everything. Um, so... Daytime running lights are are really nice because you don't have to worry about whether your headlights are on or not because they're always on when driving. And it's um, a daytime running light kit can be installed by, you know, just about anybody. You know, a little bit of experience um, with electrical and you're and, some, and a couple YouTube videos and bang, you're underneath your car installing daytime running lights. Uh, not under your car, but under your dash. Um, and then you can enjoy uh, that that sense of comfort that people can see you much easier. Um, I know I have to fight with that. I'm, on a couple of my vehicles, they have automatic headlights where they turn themselves on whenever it gets dark out. And what I've ended up doing is cover the sensor on the dash so the sensor or the computer thinks it's always dark out, so the headlights are always on. Um, and on most cars, there's there's two types of sensors, um, and they look kind of like a little bubble in the center of your dash, on the, on the dash. Um, so if you take that bubble, and you want to verify, because there's two different bubbles. One's a solar sensor for the air conditioning, and one's a, um, a headlight sensor, if you have more than one bubble. And you take that bubble and you put a little black tape over it, and now your headlights will come on. The way you verify that is during the day, on a day where it's not overcast and cloudy, you uh, start your car and have someone with you, put it in gear, and release the parking brake. And when the headlights don't come on, you have them cover that that sensor with something, a bowl, a, a hat, whatever, and then... Give it 15, 20 seconds, and the headlight should come on if you have the right. If you're covering the correct sensor, is there any and, sort? Of, is there any sort of like way of wiring the headlights to the the windshield wiper so that when you turn it on, they just come on? Yes, you could do that uh, through a few diodes and a few other things. Yeah, that would be that would be totally possible. Oh yeah, yeah. And and honestly, honestly. Every new car should have that automatically part of the software in the car. I don't know that that is, but maybe that's, um, maybe that's our invention that we need a patent real quick. 
There you go. I like it. The motor mouth headlight <laughs> switch. I like it. I like that a lot. It wouldn't be a big deal for a new car to uh, a manufacturer to add that to their to their uh, software. Um, honestly, it wouldn't be a big deal at all. And if enough people complained, if your car doesn't do that, it, if you have enough people complain, I'm sure they will create an update for it. For the, you know, for the program to make it do that. It'd be interesting. That's an interesting idea, Jim. I like that. Yeah. Huh. Why not? Yeah. Well, and, it's, and we're just talking safety, you know. The other thing is, is you know, if your headlights are on, um, pedestrians, bicyclists, it's easier for all them to see you. I mean, yes, they should be able to hear you, but it's they'd be able to see you from farther away, and then they're ready for you when you come up on them instead of um, scaring them. Um, and and that can that can be the difference between them being prepared for you. And them jumping in front of you, you know, because they, you, you, they're startled by you. And I'm not. This is not a cure. This is just another avenue to help. Um, I know a lot of the new electric and hybrid cars. Well, all of them, frankly, have to make noise. Uh, they have to have a noise generator in front of them, uh, in, in the front of them, so that people that are pedestrians or bicyclists can hear them coming at slow speed, at a crosswalk or, you know. Um, moving away from an intersection. Well, I've been so, uh, I've been at a parking lot, say, like you know, I'm just using Walmart for instance, you know, where I'm pushing the cart back to the car, and I so there's of some of these older cars that well, not older cars, but some of these cars that didn't make noise. Sometimes they just back up. I was like, oh man, I didn't realize that you know they may not see you right away because of their blind spots, and then they just back up, and you don't realize that they're going to back up. I have had that yeah. problem. Yeah. And that's why they put those noisemakers on them, so that whenever it's in gear, it's making this noise that makes you turn around and and notice that that car is moving, so that you can avoid them even when they can't see you. Right. Um, there, there's a lot of things we're trying to do in the industry, um, and and there are a lot of things that are successful in the industry. We um, we just have to do our own part, and every little bit helps. It really does. Uh, I know, like you know, for me. It's an automatic thing. If if when I put a vehicle in park, if it feels like my brain, it's just an automatic. I didn't think about it, but if my brain feels like I'm not on flat surface, I automatically apply the parking brake. And um, last night was no, it was a prime example. I stopped on the side of the road real quick, and on the way over here, and jumped out, and then went back in, put it in gear, and the vehicle wouldn't start, but wouldn't move because. I had just subconsciously put on the parking brake because we were not on level ground. And that's um, that's a really cool thing uh, to, to have that as part of your givens. You know, it's kind of like when you get into a car. Most of us, we get into a car, and the first thing we do when we're getting ready to back up is we look around to see what's going on on the back side and the front and so- the sides of the vehicle and the front and the back. And... If you don't, then it's something you need to train yourself to do, uh, which is very simple. It just takes, you know, a conscious effort, and then all of a sudden it becomes just part of the routine, just like anything else um, in your life. So safety is paramount. We really do need to make sure that we take care of ourselves and others around us because our cars are four to 6,000-pound behemoths that 
can do a lot of damage and hurt a lot of stuff. So we really got to be careful. Um, wow. Okay. I went off on a tangent there. Um, one thing I was going to talk to people about is I know it's rainy and it's not fun outside to some degree. Um, the rain can be a lot of fun too, but we're not thinking a lot of us when it's raining and, and windy and cold, we're not thinking about vacation and we're not thinking about, um, what we want to do tomorrow or the next day or, um, we're just thinking, let's get through this and let's get through what we need to do and move forward. But now's a really, really good time to start thinking about your vacation vehicle, your travel trailer, your motorhome, um, your your hot rod, whatever you use for vacation. Now's a really good time to make sure that things are ready for when you go on vacation, because not everybody's thinking about that right now. And if you are and you take care of your maintenance needs on that toy, whether it be, you know, checking the refrigerator doesn't work or whatever it is, if you were, if you were um, thinking far enough in the future last fall when you put your vacation toy away to have a list of things that need to be repaired or need uh, to be looked at for maintenance needs, then you can take it to your service provider and go, hey, guys, this is the things I remember from last fall that need to be taken care of. I would love it if you'd look it all over, see where we're at, see what things we need to take care of, and see what, and, and let's take care of the list I already have, and see what things have created or crept up on us while in storage or while, you know, uh, over the last winter that the rains or whatever have created. And let's take care of that now because here pretty soon I'm going to want to use it and everyone else is going to want to use their vacation toy uh, and the chops are going to be over full, overloaded, and you're going to be either without your toy or with a toy that hasn't been looked over and, and the repairs and maintenance have been done ahead of time. And then you are running the risk of being on the side of the road having to deal with an emergency because things were not handled you know, beforehand. Jason, hold that thought. We got Mr. Science on the line, wanted to chime in some stuff. Good morning, Alan. Yeah, good morning, Jason. Good morning, Jim. So good morning. The first comment is on the tying the windshield wipers to the headlights. Keep in mind, everything you add like that is something that will probably go wrong. So... I could see that being a problem, but you would want to make it one way. If you turn on the the windshield wipers, the headlights go on, but you don't want it automatically to go the other way so that every time the headlights go on, the windshield wipers go on. Agreed. <laughs> so that's called, let's make sure they do it right the first time. And so, But it, it could work. It certainly could work. Well, maybe there could be some sort of a delay in it, too, because, uh, you know, there are times you drive down the line, oh, I just got to get this off the windshield, you know. Yeah. And so, like, maybe a few seconds of delay before the actual headlights come on. But then there's another issue about the delay switch in there, too. Yep. But, yep. Um, but, but the delay idea is good, yeah. yeah. But maybe there could be some sort of delay because there are times that you don't necessarily need the headlights to come on. Like, maybe you just got something splashed on the windshield and you need mm-hmm. to get it off. Yeah, especially so. middle of the day, things you get some mud on there, let's say. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But here's another prep question there, Jason. 
And to me, a pedestrian, I think of these things, don't ask me why, but they're always advertising rain tires. And with this weather, people are going, yeah, that's probably a good idea. How much difference is there between, I'll call it conventional, and tires that are supposed to be good for the rain? And is it an, an important expense? What are the issues involved? Well, I think I think rain and snow tires are very. There's a big difference. Uh, they do displace that water better. They they push it away from the sediment tire, so it doesn't want to hydroplane, and will grip better in the rain. Um, if you watch any kind of Formula One racing for in Europe, they have those tires uh, for the cars. Um, I think they're really cool, uh, and I think if we lived in Seattle or if we lived somewhere where it does rain a tremendous amount. I think it's a great idea to have those. The problem with, in my mind, that I see on most rain tires is we really do not have that adverse conditions normally mm-hmm. in our area. Um, and a lot of those rain and, and snow tires, the, the, the tires that are good for the, those adverse conditions like that, usually are directional, so they can't be rotated well. Usually make more noise. They're more... They're more aggressive. They're rougher on the car and rougher on you as a driver. And and in my opinion, I prefer to go with a, just a good quality, high quality tire. Like I don't know, I'm a big Michelin and Toyo and Firestone fan, and they have generally a good uh, they have the ability to handle those kinds of adverse conditions. Not as well as a as a as a um, uh, um, a. a purpose-built tire, but for the most part, they do well. And then the other problem is I think people end up driving their tires too far and in the wrong times. So, for instance, you have uh, wear bars, they call them on tires, so the top of Lincoln's head, if you would. Um, It's tire gauge type of thing. The tire has it built in, and it's fine. You can go beyond that, quite a bit beyond that, during the summer or when there's no rain or snow out. But when you come into the fall and the winter and you do have snow and rain and, and adverse conditions, you don't want to run those tires bald like that or at a low tread level because they, it can't displace the water now, and you do run the risk of having problems. Perfect. So if you're around here and somebody's trying to talk you, a dealership says trying to talk you into rain tires, the answer is I don't think so. I wouldn't personally. No, not at all. Okay, I think Thanks, that's Jason. I think that's a bad decision. I mean, if, unless you're going to move to Seattle, like I said, or you spend a lot of time sure. in the area where it rains a lot. Okay, good. That's my consumer service announcement for the day. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> Perfect. I'm so glad you called in. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and and you know. All my advice, of course, is based on my what this experience I've had through life, and it is it it is subject to change. You know, when I'm around an expert that knows a lot more about me, this, this particular subject or all subjects, um, I can change my answers. But at this point in time, the experience I've had over the years, I really like just a good all-weather tire, a universal tire for where we live. Um, now, like I said, and I've had so many poor experiences with, um, per, uh, uh, um, 
purpose-built tires. You know, I have off-road mud and snow tires for my my Jeep, and they're rough and they're loud and they're noisy and they're there's all these negatives. Now, when you're off-road, they have really thick sidewalls and huge rubber treads on the sides and all these things to make them better off-road. So I put up with the, the bad performance and bad aspects of those tires on the road because they do so well off the road. And if you are a person that loves to be in the snow and be in the rain and go to, let's say, Seattle all the time, where I hear it snows a lot, I mean, it rains a lot. Um, if you're in Alaska or that kind of situation a lot, then you may be willing to put up with the negative stuff that you that I see around San Luis so that you have that extra performance in those conditions. Um, but anyway, that's my idea on tires. Um, and when it comes to your travel trailer, your motorhomes, um Tires, I, I, you know, let's say motorhome. Let's say right now you have a motorhome, and it is a six-tired vehicle, so two in the front and four in the rear. Um, you really want to make sure those front tires are a good brand name, in my opinion, and a good quality brand name. Um, the rear tires, you can save a little money on if that's what you choose, but the better tire is going to hold up better and handle better and deal with the road conditions that you're not expecting when you're on vacation. And I know personally, on my travel trader, and we I want to talk about this a little bit, but on my travel trader, when I got it, it had two-year-old tires, according to the owner that I bought it from, because I bought it used. And he said that he was just put those tires on two years ago. They should be in great shape, should be able to enjoy them. And I look at the side of the tire, and the tire says it's five years old. Now, I'm not saying the owner lied. I'm saying that the tire tells me right on the side when it was manufactured. There's a four-digit number. And those four digits, the first two digits, are the month, I mean, the week it was manufactured, and the second two digits are the year it was manufactured. So let's say it was, born, it was manufactured in July of, of 2020. It's going to say zero. Uh, I'm sorry, not July. Uh, the the fiftieth week of 2020. It's going to say five zero two two. If it was the fourth week of 2018, it's going to say zero four one eight. And that <coughs> you do the the quick math and bang, you can tell how old that tire is. Um, and so for me, I did not want to be stranded with a set of old tires. So with, within the first, you know, six months or so to own the trailer, I bought new tires. And reluctantly, I went with trailer tires because they have a heavier rating as far as uh, they can handle more load. And I was told they were really good. Well, after blowing out four of my six tires, I threw the other two away and bought a set of Firestone truck tires like they're on my pickup. Jason, I got a question um, to you too. Is that true for the the fifth tire? Everybody tends to forget about your spare, even if you have like one of those um, little spares. Do they have a manufacturer down on those that maybe you should be aware of when you know you go through and I this is what I need to look at with the car. Maybe the spare is getting a little too old too. Do they have that? Well, I'm gonna, I'm going to say you're onto something there. The um, 
most I would say 99% of cars on the road today, if you look at their spare tire, it's going to have a manufacturing date at about the same day the the car was manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I mean, some of those cars just have like the temporary spare too, and I'm wondering. I mean, some of them have full spare, some of them have the temporary spare. So I'm I'm just kind of wondering about really the temporary spares. I mean, do they have do they have a manufacturer date like that? I would imagine. I've never actually looked. I've never paid attention. I've never had to use one. I've never wanted to use one. Yeah. Um, or even that, a, is a, that is a really good point. You know, that little thing sitting in the back. I don't know that you can buy a replacement tire for it, honestly, other than going to a wrecking yard. I don't know that you can buy it. That would be a great – I would love to somebody call in and say, hey, look, you can, and here's where you get them. Um, I, I don't have a, a good answer for that. I don't have an answer. I know you can switch them usually just a regular spare too, but then depending on how the car, how the how the tire sets in the car, it may not fit into the area where they have it, where the spare is. Oh, you mean what going with? Yeah, I mean if you switch, yeah, if you, if you got if you went ahead and bought yourself another rim and a and a full size spare, it may not fit into the area where they've designed for the spare to sit in the car. And it's very true. Depending on the car, some of them don't have the the wheel well inside there, inside the trunk or wherever it sits to do that. Um, I know when I went to oversized tires in my Jeep, the Jeep tire uh, in my particular model fit inside the cab um, behind the driver in the very back, um, in the in the luggage compartment in the very back of the trunk or whatever you want to call it. And it worked out really cool for those Jeep owners. But for me, with bigger tires, it won't fit there. And I ended up having to mount mine on the outside. I've seen the put, put, people put them on the roof rack on the top. Um, so it, it could be, you know, your particular car may not have that. Um, I think my little Chevy Volt has the area for a tire, but they didn't offer the tire. We were in a car the other day, uh, and I don't remember what car it was, darn it, but it had a hole. Everything was there for the spare tire, but in the center where the spare tire would be, it had a little air compressor, um, a little 12-volt air compressor, and that was, I, I think it was a Chevy, actually. I think it was a Cadillac, and that was GM's solution to having the spare tire. Um, I was told, and I think we talked about this on the radio when uh, um, the other, a couple weeks ago, that on the the Ford Explorer, at least on the police edition, the spare tire is part of the crumple zone if that vehicle is rear-ended. So forever, municipalities would buy a car, you know, you know, buy a brand-new uh, police car, and then as soon as they got the car in, they would pull the spare tire out, and they would put whatever inside the hole where the spare tire goes, and then they would use that spare tire in the future when they had a blowout or whatever on you know the, on the car, and and so many of the municipalities did that for the Ford Explorer. And then there was a notice that came out and said, "Oh no, you can't remove the spare tire because that's part of the crumple zone." So they had to go back and put the spare tire back into these cars. Um, I remember years ago we used to use the spare tire as a fifth when you'd rotate. You'd rotate the spare tire in with the other tires. And that way it would wear, and, and you'd get the life of that tire. Because so many of those tires are sitting in a trunk and are 10 years old, 
and have never been out of the trunk. So you have this brand new tire you paid for that you will never get a mile on it because it needs to be thrown away and replaced. Yeah. I don't want to see us have that problem with our travel trainers. Um, my brother's, my brother's, uh, one of my brother's uh, customers coined uh, the definition of RV, and um, I I love it. It's kind of like, you know, the def what, but uh, the not definition, but the uh, acronym for boat. What's boat stand for? And it's break out another thousand. Um, an RV is um, is ruined vacation. And so I, I've had a few, yeah. <laughs> I have to say, and but some, most of them because of tires. Yeah. One because I put a screw hole, a screw in the wrong location. Mm-hmm. But we, we, if we're prepared for those things, if we if we look out for that ahead of time, if we sit down, you know, now when things are ugly out, uh, when we're not thinking about what we want to do for vacation, and we have it fixed now then there's a lot less of that stuff that happens when we're actually enjoying our vacation. And for me, I try to give people the example of there's two, you know, there's two options. You can be here at the shop going, I don't want to spend money on this vehicle. It's nasty. I don't want to go out and deal with it now. Or you can be on the side of the road in Guido's auto repair for three days while Guido's looking for parts and getting parts for your broken RV. And some some and, people some people this is the time of the year that they want to go on vacation because right now you're out of town for one thing you just go out for a couple of days, but some people like to go skiing and snowboarding and up to the mountains in the snow. So this is their time of year to go on vacation. So yes, and and here when they when they're able to break the snowplow through the pile of snow, mm-hmm. they can enjoy the snow. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I was I, I was you know I. For years, I feel I felt so bad uh, for the owners of China Peak because uh-huh. it seems like when we have a dry year, they don't get any snow, so there's no snow to ski on, so they can't be open. And here we are on a on a beautiful wet year with tons of snow, and uh-huh. they are too much snow, and they can't be open. If you, <laughs> I was there's they have webcams there for China Peak, and here I've been looking at this webcam for two weeks now. And there is almost zero movement up there for their webcams because there's so much snow, nobody can get up there. And um, and then, therefore, there's no reason to clean everything up to make all the snow runs work because there's no one can access it unless you want to come in by helicopter. Uh, we should get be getting into the break, Jason. Are you ready to do the break? That's just fine. We can do it right now. Yeah, we got a classic commercial here. We're going back and... I wasn't going to play this one, then I was, and I wasn't, and then Mr. Uh, uh, Alan, Mr. Science, called in and talked about tires. So I'm going to go with this one. Um, Goodyear would probably be well advised to not make this a commercial currently, <laughs> but because it, it kind of implies that if the man is not around, the little lady is not going to be able to change the tire on the car, and they're not going to be able to uh, deal with it. It's going back to 1960, but uh, it's it's fun. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think that they would actually make this a commercial today. We're going back to 1960 with the Goodyear tire. This flat tire needs a man. But when there's no man around, 
no man around. Goodyear should be. Why? Watch this. New Goodyear Double Eagle carries its own spare inside. Lifeguard safety spare. A tire in a tire. Keeps on going. Next time, give her a second chance. Are you sick and tired of dealing with the so-called new normal when we know there's nothing normal about it? How about dealing with the old normal for a change? Westside Auto Supply and Slow still offers the same old-school service they've been known for since 1946. They still offer the best quality auto parts, expert service, and the advice you deserve. Walking into Westside is like going back in time when the customer was king. With the latest technology and always competitive prices, Westside Auto Supply, buy the best, from the best. Absolute Auto Tech in San Luis Obispo wants to extend thanks to all of their loyal customers over the years. Drive safe on the roads and take the time to maintain your automobiles. You can count on Absolute Auto Tech for high quality repairs for your safety and safe driving needs. Absolute Auto Tech has been performing auto repair services since 1997 at the corner of Sacramento Drive and Capitolio Way in San Luis Obispo. Come by or call 547-1062. That's 547 547- 2 o'clock tomorrow morning, and let's just hope that this is going to be one of the last times we do that. I don't know. <laughs> That's what my daughter was saying. This is going to be the last time we ever do that. Yeah. That brings know. into another that brings into another question, though. Um, sometimes people have, have problems adjusting the clocks in their car, especially if it's an older car where it's got like a an analog clock into it or a digital clock. I mean, if somebody brought it into your shop, would you be able to help them with that? Yeah. Yeah, normally. But honestly, normally I'll look and go, if I can't figure it out in just a few seconds, I open the owner's manual and look at the owner's manual. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one, you know, talk about the analog. I remember one car I looked at 
and the digital clock was wrong, and the analog clock was wrong. I'm like, all right, whatever. And I didn't pay attention that they were synced. So I went into the radio and, and adjusted the digital clock to fix it, and I looked up to start to, to get ready to adjust the analog, and the analog, the, the dial started moving quickly until it caught up. And I'm like, whoa, I was just blown away that that manufacturer had synced those two clocks together. Um <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I, 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 you know, it's the little things in life. What can I say? <laughs> uh, we before we got off into another subject here, we have Steve, um, T Bird Steve, on the phone. Jason, good morning, Steve. Yeah, I'm the one that said uh, RV stands for ruined vacation, and uh, <laughs> I want to say I really appreciate. I came back from a trip to Gilroy area, Casa de Fruta. And my windshield wiper was coming off, so I brought it over to have Brian at least look at that. And you were there, Jason, and you fixed it, which is really nice if your windshield wiper actually doesn't fall off every five to ten minutes or practically fall off your your stem. And you also fixed uh, the exhaust fan in the motorhome, which was stuck. It wouldn't go up. So anyway, I want to talk about... When you're out here at night, and in the rain especially, and people are wearing black shoes, black pants, black coat, black hat, and you have a hell of a time seeing them. They're blending in with the roads and the scenery, and uh, it's, it's bad news. You should not do this. I'm, I was a driving instructor, and... Uh, we owned a precision driving school and have been gone from that for five years. But you've got to be safe, and people will walk across the street. Cars are coming. They don't even look. They, well, they, and jaywalking now, if, if they feel it's safe and there's no car coming, you can't walk right out in front of a car, but you can jaywalk now. That's now, I understand, legal and uh I'm, I'm very concerned about people and their driving. Also, you're driving, people are, I'm driving in the rain, and people are still tailgating you from 15 feet behind your car. And if I have to hit my brakes, the rear end of my vehicle, motorhome or car, could be rearranged. And uh, you can't, water is a lubricant. You can't stop as fast, uh, and especially if it hasn't rained for a long time. Now it's a little better, and if there's water on the road where there's a lot of places which don't have enough drainage with the amount of rain we're getting, you can hydroplane. Your car will not be touching the ground any longer. It'll be hydroplaning on the water. Well, I'll, add to, I'll, add, I'll add to that, Steve, too. <laughs> I mean, I was driving in here yesterday, and there's plenty of places where there's usually usually plenty of drainage. But we were just getting so much rain at one time, and it just couldn't keep up. And so, I mean, there's just you just got to watch. Like, when you're, when you're driving, especially in this kind of weather, you really need to be prepared for that. People you know, the other thing I noticed people. was when the water's going over the road, that person, that, and if it's in the oncom, if it's the water's in the lane, oncoming lane, that person may have to go over into your lane to get through the water uh, safely. So there's a lot of things to really watch out for when it's raining, um, uh, and a lot of unseen stuff. And you really got to lower your speed and 
and watch the other cars around you because they may have to interact with you in a place you don't want them to interact with you. Well, I came across uh, Price Canyon Road there where the little bridge is on on uh, actually 227 and the Pismo Creek goes underneath it. And I've never seen this before, at least it's been a long time, but Pismo Creek was pretty much right at the top, right at the bottom of the bridge there. So there's like areas that would normally not be a problem that you've got to really be aware of. You know, hey, that was Liz, yesterday. There's uh, Absolute Auto installed pontoons on the sides of the car, so <laughs> you'll be okay. <laughs> but if you're going and you're hydroplating, do not hit your brakes. Keep your wheels straight as you possibly can. Hopefully you're not hydroplaning around a corner uh, or on the highway. And I once hydroplaned out near the uh, Cuesta College, and it, 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 there was some water that had come down. Even if you don't see it's raining that hard, it can be floods that may be raining up on the hillside, and the water is going to come over the, over the road, and you don't keep your wheels straight, take your foot off the gas, and then start driving 10 miles an hour slower so that you have control of your cars. Because every time you see somebody that's on Highway 101 that's been driving 70 to 90 miles an hour in heavy rain, you see them spud out, and you see collisions, and you see people going off the road. Um, it's pretty dangerous out here at times. And uh, we are going to get more rain, I heard, next week. Tuesday, right now, Wednesday, Thursday. a little break. Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. In fact, here in San Luis, it's kind of a little bit, a little bit rainy still. But yeah, we're supposed to get another storm moving in Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, my daughter lives in Mammoth. She owns a company called Mammoth Five Star Lodging Vacation Rentals, and uh, they've had poor times here in the last few weeks where they haven't been able, people haven't been able to get up the mountain because they've stopped. 395 and Valanche Danger, and also the people can't that are up there are having to stay. They can't safely try to get off the mountain. And uh, Megan's vehicles for their company, they put on the snow tires because, you know, once you get off of the mountain, you have to, you know, putting on chains and taking chains off, and chains are rough on your car. But the snow tires, I've driven with the snow tires, and they're amazing. And they put those on during the winter, and then they have another set of tires, and they put them on uh, uh, when the weather, you know, melts off and you're driving on asphalt again or cement. <laughs> well, right, thank you, Steve. All right. That's, so a, was... that's an East Coast thing, um, a Northern thing, doing that snow tire swap and having summer tires and winter tires. Um <laughs> that's uh, pretty common for those guys I hear. I've never lived in those areas, but I hear that's really common. Um, I, I, and tires are huge. Um, uh, tires are huge. And as your tire gets old, as your tire be, gets beyond five years to seven, you know, especially, wow, those tires that are 10 years old, they do not grip the road as well. The, the rubber compound is kind of, Arnold, if you're um, if you're been around, let's say you find a piece of plastic that's been out in the sun over the summer, and you grab that plastic bag that was a beautiful plastic bag, 
in, when, when it went outside, but now if the plastic bag just kind of crumbles the dust in your hands. Um, or um, uh, what was the other one I was thinking of? Or a plastic bottle or something like that. Um, a pot, you know, of a, um, a little plastic pot you put a plant in. Uh, you leave it out in the sun for, you know, X amount of time, and it's really, it becomes really brittle. It was really flexible and easy to handle that potting soil. And after it's been on the sun for a while, it just kind of breaks and shatters. Well, that same idea happens to tires, and when they get hard and crystal like that, they don't grip the road. They can't. The rubber's not pliable, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, uh, it, it doesn't hold the asphalt. And I know I've had a set of tires on a car that was that had very few miles on it, but they were very old. And that car would break traction on a day, on a, just a normal sunny day, so easily because the tires wouldn't grip the road. And then we got new tires, and then it made it very very hard to break traction. Well, that's on a normal, sunny day, everything, all the conditions perfect. In an adverse condition time, when you need that extra traction, that car would have been, like Steve saying, hydroplaning, but hydroplaning on almost no water just because it cannot grip that asphalt. And those tires in that same regard can't handle the pressures that increase inside them while traveling down the road in a hot summer day. Um, I've been watching on, the, on my, little, uh, new, my little hybrid car. Uh, it has the ability to watch tire pressure and the actual tire pressure. And it tells you, you know, you're at 32 PSI, you're at 34 PSI, you're at 31 PSI. And there are days where I'll start that car, and it'll say you're at 29 PSI. And I'm like, well, that's really low. By the time I get to work or by the time I go to do my drive, now I'm at 35 PSI. So in 10 miles on a San Luis uh, um, day where the outside temperature is 65 or 70 degrees out, I can raise five pounds of pressure inside that tire. Well, now you take that same idea and you put, um, let's say, 70 pounds in it because it's your travel trailer, your motorhome, and you're cruising down the freeway, and it's 105 out, and the asphalt's 140 degrees, and now those tires are going to go from 70 to, let's say, 110. Well, when the rubber, the, the, the bonding agent, the glue, if you would, on that rubber compound, which is not rubber, but that, that artificial rubber compound is old and tired and weak, and then you put 100-plus pounds in it, and you have all that weight from the tra- uh, from the vehicle on it, you can blow have a blowout. And when you have a blowout on a big tire like that, <clears throat> it can be unsafe. You know, if you got a front tire, you, you're trying to steer through and trying to make it, you know, make it where you can get off the road safely. Usually, you're not sitting there driving along, both hands on the wheel, gra- gripped on really well, going, "Okay, is the tire going to blow now? Is the tire going to blow now? Is the tire going to blow now?" It's usually when you're relaxing, just trying to, you know, get through your trip, and it blows, and so you have to react. So then there's your stress and your and all the other stuff. What's happening? Um, what do I need to do? Where is it? Once you realize it's going on, and it's a split second, but still, your brain and body have to go through that. Um, then you, you know, where do I get to where it's safe? What am I damaging? And then a tire can come around and damage inner fenders and outer fenders, and can do a lot of 
damage. Um, my brother's customer that, that coined the re- ruined vacation, his thing was he ruined, uh, he uh, cost him $5,000 in damage to his brand-new RV because they blew a tire. Now, there's nothing he could have done to avoid it. It was brand-new. Everything's just, it's just life. But other than request good tires on the RV, maybe they skimped and put, you know, bad, you know, really low-cost tires on. But the, 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 the thing was is he spent $5,000 repairing a blowout. That's a lot of money for something that hopefully never happens to any of us that on a lot of cases is completely avoidable if you're driving an RV that has a, you know, 10-year-old tire seven-year-old tire that's something you just need to go from where it's parked to your tire your tire professional and have them replace those with a good quality tire so that you can enjoy that next trip and not be worried about uh oh what's going to happen next because stuff happens on travel trailers and motorhomes and it's a it's a house on wheels that they have to put very lightweight and usually very inexpensive components in so that you can enjoy your toy four times a year, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that stuff happens. I keep an extra water pump in mind just in case the water pump fails. And everyone should, as far as I'm concerned. I um, mean, figure out whatever part. What, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you were referencing house on wheels, and they truly are houses on wheels. I mean, they got full couches in them. They've got dishwashers in them. They've <laughs> they've got different things. I mean, you've got yours. I think you have the RV or the the, the toy hauler kind of thing. I mean, they are truly houses on wheels. They're really almost regular mm-hmm. bathrooms in them. It's yeah. pretty. They're pretty impressive, actually. But they're are, are they on a bus frame usually? Depends on the motorhome, but no, yeah. no, only the expensive ones are. Yeah. Because on a because on a bus frame, you're talking about a motorhome that you're going to want to see. You know, you're going to want to travel four hundred thousand miles or so. Otherwise, you're wasting a lot of money on something that you'll never utilize. Mm-hmm. Most of them are on truck chassis, and a, and a lot of them on are, are on specially made tra- chassis that are less expensive. So if you're on a bus chassis. Uh, you're probably looking at a million-dollar motorhome on a well, bus yeah. chassis. Yeah, and some of them, <laughs> a lot of them have those little pop-out areas, and you have, like, I'm sure there has to be some sort of structural thing that's added to it to make that work. So, I mean, they're, right? they're pretty impressive, actually, the motorhomes. They're very, very impressive, in my opinion. They're, it's incredible what they do. For the cost we pay for them, it's amazing. But it also, for the cost we pay for them, they have to cut a lot of corners, and in order to so then that that means the quality isn't there, so the longevity is not there. Um, so you know because if they built it to where it would go four hundred thousand miles and have almost no issues, you're talking once again a million dollars. Well, not a lot of us want to spend a million dollars on a toy we use three times a year. Um, so then they have to find ways to make it to where you and I. Uh, for the mass majority, uh, can afford and justify this toy. Uh, and they do that by cutting corners. So for me, I keep a fuel pump, a, a fuel lift pump for my generator because they fail a lot. I haven't replaced it, but I keep it just in case. I keep a water pump. And if you don't know which one you have, take it to your service provider or um, one of the RV places 
or go to, uh, you know, crawl underneath there, ask the manufacturer what kind of water pump it has, and I carry a spare because I don't want to be without water. Um, I have multiple ways to heat my RV. I have the RV heater itself, and then I have electric heaters in case my RV heater fails. Um, I carry a lot of spare stuff so that my ruined vacation becomes, instead of a ruined vacation, it becomes a, an in uh, um, a, um, you know, a, a, uh, I have a few issues in my vacation. I continue to enjoy it. Um, we had years ago on my one of my trucks, it's a short bed, and when you turn, the fifth wheel can come in and, and hit the cab. Well, I, I tapped the cab one time unknowingly, and I broke the back windshield, the back window, sorry. Well, I bought a different hitch so that wouldn't happen again, uh, so that I don't ruin my vacation because you cannot drive a pickup with a fifth wheel behind it, with the back window out of it, you will go deaf because of the pressures created by that great big block of the wind block behind you. Um, th- there's there's a lot of things you can do to make it a lot better for you out there, and we have it so great. Let's enjoy it. Anyway, I better run. Uh, I hope everyone had fun, and I want to encourage you to go enjoy the weather, whether it be an excuse to stay home and relax or whatever. Enjoy the weather we have. And, and and look towards the future. Yep. Uh, go ahead, yeah. Jim. We got about 30 seconds here to just uh, mention Westside Auto Parts, too, and how much they help you out. Oh, Westside's always there for me. Um, and they just do such a great job. And I wanted to thank our, our police chief for coming in a few weeks ago. I forgot to thank him. Uh, he did such a great job, and we're so fortunate to have him in our lives, even if it's just in the background and you don't ever meet him. And I hope you never get to deal with that. But thank you so much. Have a great presentation. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.